0: conspiracy what do you believe welcome back to conspiracies what do you believe we're glad that you are here to check out our newest episode this is, episode is a short one, so we hope that you enjoy. This is episode number 13, The Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor.
1: The Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor was a British, British occult society. It was a practical occult that taught foretelling of the future using magic to mirrors. They promised that members would learn how to communicate with the secret masters by means of astral travel. And what is astral travel? Where
0: you can, kind of like out-of-body experience, you can travel through space and time. Basically, with your soul or
1: whatever. Okay, this was through membership by mail, order courses in astral instruction. Sure, so they going to teach you how to do that. Through the mail membership.
0: Oh. You just, what, well, get your, did they have it on the back of comics for kids <laughs> and you just clip it know. out and send it in?
1: I don't know. Anyone could be a member if they submitted their horoscope. What if people didn't know what their horoscope was?
0: Well, it, my thinking is if you're interested in that stuff back then, you're going to know your horoscope. The order dates all the way back to the ancient Egyptian city of Luxor and further back to the city of light. The Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor was not secretive as other secret societies were. They were very public and would teach anyone who was a member. So they're an open society. So then they're not a secret society?
1: Apparently
0: not. They, they're I mean, more of
1: an occult than they are. The cults were secret too. Either.
0: They were just an open society that taught fortune telling and everything else.
1: The Hermetic Brotherhood of Light has a lack of Egyptian content. Not a lot of teachings are from the Egyptians, and there was no Egyptian rites, no hieroglyph- yeah. hieroglyphics. Hieroglyphics. And very little mention of Egypt.
0: So how? So how
1: is it? I mean,
0: just because your name has something to do with Egypt, I mean, people just assume that. D- it- did they tell people they were, and then just not have the teachings, or they just like the name? I mean, that's like opening a baseball, and somebody comes in to go, you know, relax or do whatever you do in a baseball, and you you sell car parts.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's funny.
0: Cool. It became public in late 1894 and began its work in 1870. The founders were Thomas Borgoyne nee Thomas Dalton. Peter said and Max Theon.
1: So, it makes you wonder why Thomas Burgon or whatever had a different name.
0: Well, I mean, looking at a lot of authors in the, you know, six, seven days, they always use pen names at the beginning to, so they original name wouldn't be smeared. You know?
1: And why did they wait so long to become public if they started in 1870?
0: Well, i mean you don't know if they were trying to go public i mean they could have mm-hmm. been known in whatever town they started in and people were there and they just wanted to grow first then spread but because to think back then i mean it was newspapers and word of mouth that got out not well, like I'm today not where you got not like today where you got internet and you know i can type something to somebody in egypt could read it within the seconds i just posted it <laughs>
1: Excuse me, the purpose of the Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor was to disseminate the spiritual knowledge of the Brotherhood of Light and to become the most influential occult. The reference of Luxor comes from ancient Egypt knowledge, but they didn't have any of that knowledge as far as I can tell.
0: The teachings were from Magico-Sexual theories of Pascal Beverly Randolph. He influenced other groups like the Ordo Templi Orientio, It is not clear if Randolph was a member of the Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor.
1: More likely he wasn't, they just took his teachings and made it.
0: That's how a lot
1: of
0: cults and secret societies, they take other peoples teachings and use it as their own and Mm -hmm. add their own stuff into it.
1: Before the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, the Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor was the only order that taught occultism in the Western mystery tradition. The teachings were the Western version of the spiritual philosophies, and it denied reincarnation.
0: Other, the other ones, ones reincarnation. said there was reincarnation. Some members of the Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor were spiritualist, occultists, and theosophists. A theosophist is, according to the dictionary, is philosophies maintaining that a knowledge of God may be achieved through spiritual ecstasy, direct intuition, or special individual relations. So you basically, in order to see God, you just had to have an intimate relationship with Him, a one-on-one, not a, you know, nothing like a group deal. You had to see Him for yourself. The Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor and the Theosophical Society were cordial to each other. There were members in both groups, but there was a falling out because the Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor was against the Eastern-based teachings of Blavatsky. Davison thought Blavatsky became influenced by an inferior order of the Buddhist cult. So now you're getting all, out of, all of
1: these other cults into this too. Well, you get the Buddhist
0: community. Well, they, because they, they just said that they, they Inferno. thought she became influenced by them so they didn't like her teaching but she has a i mean she has a lot of stuff on that she taught yeah the theosophical society them. and i can't remember the one guy that she taught with or taught learned from i can't remember his name he was interesting too
1: thomas gregorne grew up in scotland he was a student of the occult and a aggressor in Leeds. And he was a violin maker. So he did a little bit of everything.
0: So he was a grocer and a violin maker.
1: He was a natural seer. He began to channel material from the unnatural beings known as the inner circle. He contacted the interior circle of the Brotherhood of Light on the inter-astral plane. Okay. What's the inter? astral plane.
0: Not that I'm non-sure. <laughs>
1: He came in contact with Max Dion. In 1884, he published the Seer magazine while in Scotland. Then in 1885, it was changed to Occultist magazine. Through this magazine, they grew memberships in Britain and France, and it spread through the teachings of the occult.
0: Max Dion was a Polish immigrant living in London as a psychic healer. He was an occult teacher who was a specialist in teaching his students how to contact unnatural beings similar to Theosophical Mahatmas. Mahatma. Mahatma is Sanskrit for great soul. This is similar to our term for saint. Example Mahatma Gandhi. He was initiated as a neophyte. A neophyte is someone new to a subject or belief. He became Grand Master in the exterior circle of the Order. He had little to do with the day-to-day running of the Order or teachings. He left that up to Peter Davison. He was a psychic healer and seer who taught the teachings of the Brotherhood of Light. Huh. But Gandhi, wasn't he a Buddhist?
1: Yeah, but an example was Mahatma Gandhi of what a Mahatma Gandhi was. Oh, it was. But, uh... Theon was initiated as Zidniopite. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Davison was a homeopathic physician, herbalist, and occultist. He wrote and published books on astrology and Masonic rituals.
1: Have you noticed a lot of people are writing on Masonic rituals?
0: I mean, they could have took it from them, or couldn't it have been that a lot of these peoples and their teachings from their history or whatever taught this stuff and the Masons just took theirs and it was just now being reported and they think everybody took it from the Masons
1: could be Reverend William Alexander Aton was an additional leader in England and Albert Farachek, also known as F.C.H. Barlett was the head of the occult in France so they had certain people that would run the occult in different areas
0: mm mm-hmm. that's how a lot of people have it. The Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor was a school of practical occultism best suited for, to Westerners. It was a contrast to the Theosoph- Theosophistical Society that had moved its headquarters to India. Most of the teachings were from burgoyne clairvoyant contact with the inner circle. The members were to be in direct contact with the same.
1: So they taught the members to do the same things they did.
0: So they can be in direct contact with so everybody. And it was, on, they was on the same page.
1: So they didn't have to use, like, say, this one person would talk to him and, and then would tell everybody else.
0: Kind of how like religion is. You had your one person that, quote unquote, spoke to God and he relayed the message.
1: Yeah. So these people just
0: that was just did themselves. There, there was an open society of occults, of the occult.
1: The Hermetic Brotherhood. Of Luxor became a rival of the Theosophical Society. In 1886 the society leaders found out that Burgon was in fact Thomas Dauphin, who in 1883 was convicted of male That is very interesting. They spread this information. They wanted to escape the scandal and wanted to start a communal experiment in America. So, that is interesting.
0: I mean, you can't really judge a guy by his past, I mean unless he's done the multiple. And that's why you
1: time. know he changed his name. But again. A lot so of he them. was born Thomas Dalton and then he changed his name to Thomas you see it. The
0: but back in those days, I mean if you're on new adventures or trying to change a new life, you just changed your name and a lot of people just use fake names regardless. Yeah. After the scandal, Davidson moved his family to Loudsville, Georgia. On his farm, he formed a community and continued to teach. It served as the international headquarters of the Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor for years. The most members were from France and the United States. Then he turned his interest to alternative medicine. So after
1: a while, the occult wasn't successful so he decided to do medicine?
0: It's what it sounds like. Like, eh, this ain't where I see this. Was he already had an herbalist or he
1: something? He was like an that. herbalist,
0: so he knew what he was doing with medicine. Hmm. Burgoyne moved to the United States but separated ties with Davidson and moved to the West Coast. There he operated the Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor. He published a book, The Light of Egypt, with, which was a summary of the Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor's teachings, written under his pen name, which was Zanoni. So, at one time, there was two different versions of it.
1: Well it sounds like. It sounded like it started out as the light and then turned to Luxor, or it was Luxor and turned to light, or who knows. It was kind of difficult finding stuff anyways. Yeah. Okay, Dr. Henry Wagner and his wife Belle a $100,000 to create an organization to continue the teachings of the Light of Egypt. So now it's the light, the light of Egypt. Light of Egypt
0: now. So it's another one.
1: Okay, that's a lot of money back then. Oh, yeah. With this money, two organizations were established the Astro Philosophical, Philosophical Publishing Company and the Church of Light. The publishing company published Bergone's book, The Language of the Stars and Celestial Dynamics.
0: The Church of Light was formed from Burgoyne's thoughts and it would become a major occult teaching center. It revived astrology. After Burgoyne's death, they published a second book of the Light of Egypt. It was supposed to be from Burgoyne, channeled through Bell Wagner.
1: Burgoyne's Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor was governed by a council of three members who were a scribe or a secretary, an astrologer and a seer. Burgoyne was the first secretary when he passed on to the next life in 1894. Well, in other words,
0: he died. Yeah. Bell M. Wagner was elected to take Burgoyne's place on the council. The astrologer was Minnie Higgins and the seer was Mrs. Anderson.
1: All hmm. women talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the bylaws. No one under 21 could join. A married person couldn't join unless their spouse was a member, so...
0: If you wanted to join, you had to have your husband or wife join with you.
1: Oh, okay. All right. And then membership was only by invitation after the individual was thoroughly invested.
0: So, but I thought it was an open society, and all you had to do was like a mail send in a little mail thing, and
1: they they, um, they
0: investigated you after they received your interest. In 1909, Minnie Higgins passed to the next plane. Uh, Elver Benjamin was elected to take her place as the astrologer. In 1910, he prepared a complete system of education. This would let the public become familiar with the spiritual teachings of the religion of the stars, astrology, worship of the stars, and other heavenly bodies. Hmm. So
1: So you got all this other stuff coming in with his
0: Towards the end, but then in like in 1913, the council voted unanimously to close the order. Since then, no one has been accepted as a member.
1: But so, how do you know? Maybe they, they decided went underground. To go... Yeah.
0: Because I mean, why? Just three years prior, they just had a complete educational system created, and it was.
1: Do you think maybe other occults and stuff were pushing them out?
0: Could be. Got bullied back in left, but they I mean, and
1: went underground or became secretive then.
0: They could have went secretive and changed their name to something completely different and gave up the whole Egyptian theme. And yeah. I mean, it could be any other cult that we've either already did an episode on or going to do an episode on in the future. Yeah,
1: you know, we just don't know it.
0: Maybe we can find some ties. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's when you need to find some of the teachings that they did teach.
1: Yeah. It'd be nice to be fine. Like going to a bookstore in the old section find all this stuff that would be cool original books but that's not gonna happen no
0: alrighty then alright that's the end of this episode when it was a little short than what we usually do but given all the information that you have just received what do you believe
1: Exactly.
0: Wow. A lot of books were written in that time on witches. Cotton Mathers, a minister who wrote a book on John Goodwin's, who was a menace, a mason. The book was called Memorable Providences Relating to Witchcraft and Possessions, written in 1689. He wrote on his observations of how witchcraft affected the children. He wrote of how the oldest child stole linen from a washerwoman Goody Glover. After being tempted by the devil, Glover was a disagreeable woman and her husband called her a witch. She was accused of casting spells on the Goodwin children. Four of the six children had strange fits. The fits were called the disease of astonishment. This was attributed to witchcraft. Symptoms were neck and back pain, tongues drawn from their mouth, loud outcries, no control over their bodies, trying to harm themselves And others, this helped the craze of witchcraft in 1692.
1: Crap! If you had a backache, you were a witch, or you were were affected affected by by a witch. witch.
0: If that was the case, then there is a lot of witchcraft going on nowadays for many people. Oh
1: yeah. Okay. The start of this all was February 1692 in Salem Town. It all began when two girls' girls' accusations, Betty Parris, who was nine years old, and her cousin Abigail Williams, who was eleven years old, started. Reverend Samuel Parrish was the father and uncle of the girls. Reverend Parrish was disliked because he was greedy and rigid in his ways. This may have contributed to his daughter's actions. I mean, if he was mean to her or something, she might have done it for attention and never realized what she was going to start.
0: I mean, the thing that gets me was he was the father and uncle
1: of the girl. No, he was the father of Betty Parrish and the uncle of Abigail Williams. Okay,
0: because how it was said was he was the father and uncle of the girls.
1: Respectfully.
0: Okay. Whatever. Clarify.
1: Ah, shush. This
0: was the 1600s here. (laughs) The girls had fits more than epileptic fits. They screamed, barked like a dog, threw things, made strange sounds, contorted themselves, crawled under furniture, complained of being pinched and struck with pins. Dr. William Griggs couldn't find anything physically wrong. Other young women started to have the same symptoms. So it
1: was like, my sister or something, you know? Okay, she's doing this, or, uh, so I'm gonna do that, blah, blah,
0: blah. Were they put up to do it? Okay. Or were they just hyperchondriac? Oh, this is going around, so I got it too. Or
1: maybe they wanted the attention too. Cool Modern scientists think that the strange behavior could have been from some combinations of child abuse, Lyme disease, encephalitis, epilepsy. Convulsive egotism or delusional psychosis. Convulsive egotism is a disease caused by eating bread or cereal made from rye infected with a fungus, ergot, which can cause vomiting, choking, hallucinations, fits, feeling of something crawling on your skin, and did you know LSD is a derivative of ergot? Interesting. Yeah.
0: The behavior of the Salem girls was also the same as the children of a Boston family in 1688 who were thought to have been witch bewitched. The John Goodwin's children, the girls of in Salem, might have read or heard of the incident in the book.
1: Yeah, as you said earlier that Cotton Mather's wrote the book on the Goodwin children. Yep. So maybe they read that and, and decided
0: they were going to do it. Hey, let's give it a shot. It yeah. going to hurt. When the Salem girl's doctor could not find a diagnosis, he blamed it on the supernatural. Wow. I wonder if doctors still do that today. I can't figure it out. You must be bewitched by a witch. Yeah, I got Or you got an evil spirit inside you. <laughs> the, the first
1: three people arrested for allegedly afflicting Betty Parris, Abigail Williams, Anna Putnam <laughs> Jr., and Elizabeth Hubbard were Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and Tituba...
0: The first arrested was Tatuba. She was an Indian slave from South America. She was accused because of her ethnic difference. But Einstein, they were too smart for their own good and ahead of their time with their ideas, especially Tesla. Yeah. So I mean, to me, they all fall into the same category.
1: The people thought he was weird, but it's just cuz yeah. he was more intelligent. Yeah.
0: John B. was a serious scholar, devout Christian, avid book collector, scientist, and one of the most learned men of his times. His library was the largest in the country until it was vandalized. It took great personal expense to create such a library. It was one of the finest in Europe. He was also an astrologer and advisor to Queen Elizabeth I in court. He pushed for the colonization of North America. He was also into the occult and contacting angels. So he dabbled in just about everything.
1: Yeah, but if you look at it, <laughs> he was a devout Christian, but then they said if he was into occult and contacting angels. That would make people think, well, was he really religious or was he in witchcraft?
0: Well, I, well, I wouldn't say witchcraft
1: because... Well, a lot of people back that time would yeah, probably no, think because if it wasn't a
0: witchcraft was like one of the biggest things back then, but I just find it more of he learned everything he could from the Bible and wanted to learn more, just didn't, didn't know where to fully go, so he was just trying to contact, because like back then, like a lot of people still know, if we were to hear God's voice right now, since our body's full of sin, we would die. So the next best thing, contact the angels. Yeah.
1: What I found interesting is he wrote it in his manuscripts and books in English instead of Latin so that the general public could could read it. And usually back then it was all Latin.
0: Well, you kept it in Latin because the normal, I guess you would say, the normal people, most of them couldn't read Latin. That was more of somebody who just went to school. So when you had uh, high priority stuff you were studying, you did it in Latin so nobody could just come and steal your stuff because they wouldn't know what they're reading. But he did it in English because he felt it was for everybody to know, not just for the elect few. Uh, Let's see. In the Voynich Manuscript, John D. was supposed to have owned it and sold it to Rudolf II per Wilfred Voynich, who bought it in 1912. It is an illustrated number of pages in an unknown writing. It was carbon dated to 1401 to 1438. The Vornish manuscript itself is probably good enough to do our own episode on it. There's like so much behind it and a lot of people are still trying to decipher it Like a lot of people are even trying to say it's in an alien language. Dee was supposed to have owned a copy of the Book of Soyga, also known as Aldorea, a book of magic from the 16th century. So, uh, uh, So his works... In 1564 was the Monas Hieroglyphica, 1570 Preface of Usage Elements, (coughs) excuse me, 1577 General and Rare Memorials pertaining to the perfect art of navigation, 1582 Mystical Rule of Seven Planets, there's something else I find interesting about that too, where it says seven planets, and they'll call and religions and a lot of other things the number seven is a highly regarded number
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, so it's to me it's just kind of funny seeing the rule of seven in some of his stuff
1: and the british museum has several of his artifacts some of them are the speculum or it's a mirror it's an aztec called hand mirror the small, small wax seals that used to support the legs of his table practice that's probably just the table uh the seal of gold, it supported the crystal ball, the gold amulet engraved with one of Kelly's visions, the crystal ball, and the step.
0: John Dee is a popular figure in literature even to this day, especially in fiction mainly dealing with the occult and magic. In 1596, The Fairy's Queen by Edmund Spencer may have reference to John Dee. 1610-1611, The Tempest by William Shakespeare Prospero may have been modeled after D. <coughs>
1: 1840.
0: Guy Fawkes by William Harrison Ainsworth put D in as a character. 1927. The Angel of the West Window by Gustav Meyrink. John D. is one of the main characters. The Necronomicon by H.P. Lovecraft. John D. was the translator. In 1993, The House of Dr. D by Peter Ackroyd. John D is one of the main characters. In 2000, The Merchant Prince by Amon Shimmerman and Michael Scott. John D is the main character. 2006, Stoneheart by Charlie Fletcher. D is the plot's main antagonist. And 2010, The Bones of Avalon: A Historian Mystery by Phil Rickman. John D. is the main detective looking for the disappearance of King Arthur's bones during Elizabeth I's reign. Burn Your Books, a play by Richard Byrne, the relationship between John D., Edward Kelly, and Edward Dyer. Dr. D., an English opera by Damon Albarn, about his life and work.
1: In his diaries, John D. recorded his dreams, spirit wrappings, and when he thought he saw spirits. Not a lot of his diaries survived, but in the 19th century, one of his diaries was found. It contained Dee's travels, and he believed Kelly had discovered the secret to the philosopher's stone. I'd still
0: love to get a hold of his diaries. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, maybe not the exact ones, but like uh, at least a photocopy of them.
1: John Dee did mathematics to do horoscopes. He practiced numerology and alchemy. He looked for occult codes so that he could talk to angels. Dee's work was... Always mathematical, he said that they, he said that many thought mathematics to be disreputable and related to witchcraft. In 1485 to 1603, the Elizabethan era, math books were burned because they were thought to be conjuring books. In John Dee's times, mathematics were supposed to be related to natural magic, part of the occult dealings with natural forces directly. D represents this natural magic tradition. And what I found interesting was the last name D and Celtic is Dew, and it means black. Celtic. Oh, whatever.
0: John D had visions of the elixir of life in the Philosopher's Stone. His visions became real to him. He was persuaded that he was the favorite of the invisible. Enochian language was spoken by the angels and spirits in the Garden of Eden. He reported hundreds of spirit conversations. Enochian is a bunch of non-English letters. When they ran, when they were ran through a computer analysis, it shows to have been a grammatical relationship to English. Some magicians suggest that Enochian language predates human language. The letters slightly look like the Ethiopian alphabet.
1: These records were elaborate enough to convince readers that they represented a Hebraic language. It could possibly have been that Eith Enochian was a code used to send messages to the Queen, which I find is interesting that he could have been a spy. And that was that language was him sending messages. And he was also the founding member of England's Secret Service. Was he the first James Bond?
0: Very well could have been.
1: Yep, because he would sign his letters, 007, which the letters for the Queen's eyes only. Zero zero represented eyes, and the seven was the lucky number that offered protections. In his travels, he was supposed to have been spying, and not for spiritual meetings. So he was—that was just a cover-up. So he could have been more so, than what people
0: thought. So when they wrote the new story, like the books and movies about James Bond 007, did they still have that in mind when they call him 007? Could have been.
1: And the Queen had a number of spies and the Pope said she was an illegal ruler and that she was always being threatened with plots against her. So John Dee would have been a great person to spy for her and a member of the Secret Service.
0: Oh yeah. I mean you would think somebody who was into like the